What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. Today, we've got some fire questions lined up. See, this is what happens when I actually wait and give people time to ask questions. We get a whole bunch of questions, great questions that came in for this Q&A episode. This is going to be more like a rapid fire because we have a lot of questions to get through. So I'm just going to do my best and be short and to the point, which is a little bit counter to my natural tendencies, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to try I'm going to do my best. It's all that matters, right? Anyway, if you appreciate the episode, if you dropped one of these questions and I answered it and you want even more information, like you weren't satisfied with my answer, then you can just hit me up on Instagram, shoot me a DM at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And please share the episode with friends, family, whoever you think would benefit from the podcast. Leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes and post this. Take a screenshot of the episode, post it to your stories and tag me. And those are all of the ways that you can benefit the show and other people who need to hear what we're talking about. All right, let's get into the Q&A. We have got, let's see, we've got 5, 11, 13, 13 questions, 12 questions maybe, because I think Mel dropped a question in there just messing with me. Her question's a little bit inappropriate, so I'm not going to read that one, but we've got 12 actual questions to get through. Number one, first question is phases. I'm just reading it how it's written. Phases, fat loss, maintenance, building, when, how long, macros, difference. Okay. So if you've been a listener of the show for any length of time, then you know my answer is going to be two words. Do you know what those two words are? It depends. I would love to be able to say fat loss should be eight weeks and maintenance should be 30 weeks and building should be 20 weeks then I would be lying because I have no idea how long you need as an individual for each phase. I have no idea. I can't answer that. I have zero context. I can't see how your body's responding. I don't know your diet history. I don't know your current nutrition. I don't know your current metabolic state. I don't know your personality. I don't know your lifestyle. I don't know anything. So it depends. If I had to give a very, very, very general and generic response, I would say that fat loss should be short and sweet, no longer than 12 weeks. So it really depends. Four weeks to 12 weeks, somewhere in that range. Maintenance should be most of the time. And building, it depends on how much you want to build. At a bare minimum, you need three months to put on any kind of real muscle. But I would highly advise you, you take longer than three months. If you really want to build a, an, any sort of noticeable amount of muscle, I would take at least six months to do that, preferably even longer than that. Those are my super generic answers, but it really depends. In terms of the macro differences with fat loss, you're going to need to be eating less. With maintenance, you're going to be eating at your maintenance. And with building, you're going to be eating in a slight surplus. Again, I can't give specifics because I don't know anything about you. I don't know any context. I'm going in 
blind. So these are the only, this is the most generic answer that I can possibly give. What I will say, if you want to take the guesswork out of it, just hire a coach, work with a coach and a quality coach who actually knows what they're doing. And you don't have to play the guessing game because then we can actually see how your body responds. We can look at your biofeedback. We understand your diet history, your metabolic state. We can give you ex- expected timelines. And I, don't, I mean, that would just be my advice in terms of if you want to make it efficient, if you want to save yourself some time, reach out, get yourself a quality coach. It uh, doesn't have to be us, although I think we are the best in the business, but I know that I'm biased. So biased answer is nobody is better than we are. Unbiased would be just find any quality coach and you'll be good. Next question. In a deficit, if other metrics like energy, sleep, et cetera, are solid, how hungry is too hungry? Um, This is another very gray area question that requires a little bit of nuance. For me, if you're in a deficit and all of your other biofeedback markers are solid, but you're really hungry, that's still a problem. It's like, just because that, just because other metrics are fine, other biofeedback markers are fine and hunger's not, that doesn't mean that it's like, all right, well, I can just keep on trucking because I still have energy. No, your body is still sending a signal. So, and like the level of hunger, it's hard to rate that. But I think that some hunger is expected when you're going through a fat loss phase. When it impacts your mindset, when it stresses you out, when it makes you, uh, when it creates poor food choices, all of those things are a sign that it's too much hunger. If it's hunger and you're like, yeah, I'm hungry, but I'm good. I have my next meal coming up in an hour and I'm totally fine waiting for that. That's a normal level of hunger where it's, it's okay. You're like, it's, it's crazy. It's, you know, it's like, <laughs> we, we want, we want to put like specific points of emphasis on these things. Like, tell me the exact level of hunger that's acceptable for me. And and nobody can really answer that for you. What I can say is if it's impacting other decisions, it's probably too much hunger. Next question is, what is the worst fad diet you have tried? I love this question because I've tried a lot of them. Um, (laughs) I would say the worst was the first meal plan that I ever did. Uh, because there was no logic to it. And the source, and I've talked about this a few times on the show, but I found it in the back of a cardio manual. Like it was the last page of the cardio manual and they had a meal plan. It was like to maximize your results of this cardio machine, eat these foods every single day. And it was the worst meal plan. It made no sense. The food choices were so bizarre. It was like, a mini bagel that was like a hundred calorie mini bagel and fat-free cream cheese or low fat cream cheese. I can't remember for breakfast. Okay. Major red flag. Where's the protein. Right. And then it was like some, it was like a sandwich of some kind, but um, just the sandwich. And then I think it was like celery maybe as the snack, it was celery and carrots, something like that. And then dinner was some other bizarre concoction of food. It was like 1200 calories. It was low protein, which made no sense. And then they emphasized drinking ice cold water all day to quote unquote, boost your metabolism. Um, so like red flags all across the board. And, uh, of course I had to follow it and lose a bunch of weight and gain it all back very, very quickly. And, and again, like you talk about when I say hunger impacts other food choices, like 
or other choices and decisions. I was an absolute mess. I was cranky and angry and made poor decisions a lot of the time during that during that process. But uh, there's there's a lot to choose from. I've done I've done keto. Um, I've done whole thirty. I've, I've I've pretty much done everything. Um, I did a only shake and one meal diet that was like four shakes a day and and just dinner and dinner had to be 700 calories or less. Um, yeah. So, but I would say the meal plan, that was absolutely the worst. Uh, let's see. Next question is weightlifting or walking for fat loss. When I lift more, the scale doesn't move help. That's because lifting more is not going to directly impact the scale. The thing that's going to impact the scale more than anything else is your nutrition. It is most of the equation when it comes to the actual body fat loss or just weight loss or weight gain in general. So I've, I've had people say this so many times where it's like, I don't get it. I'm, I'm strength training three days a week and I'm lifting heavy, but it's not impacting my weight. Well, yeah, because you're missing the point. Nutrition is the thing that moves the needle more than anything else. What strength training and weightlifting does is it helps you build or maintain muscle mass, which has an indirect influence because it's going to support your metabolism. It's going to help you burn more calories at rest. So indirectly, it will help you get leaner. But I'm talking about like being invested in that process for the long haul. I'm not talking about like you are lifting more for the month and the scale is not down for the month. I'm talking about a commitment to building and supporting your metabolism through strength training and progressive overload for years. That's what I'm talking about. So that indirectly will help you get leaner. It'll help you burn more calories at rest. It'll support your metabolism. It'll support hormone health. It has so many advantages. Now, nutrition is going to move the needle more than anything else for the scale. Walking is the best tool when it comes to just overall, like I'll say, health tool, because I don't think there's really a better word to that encompasses all that walking does for us. It is a stress reliever. It lowers cortisol. It improves insulin sensitivity. It burns more calories uh, because what we do outside of the gym makes up more of our daily caloric expenditure than what we do for that 45 minutes to an hour that we're in the gym. So it improves you know, calories burn. Um, it improves cardiovascular health, hormone health, which I covered, metabolic health, uh, mental health, emotional health. It has, so that's why I say it's the best tool for just overall health, because I don't really think, or wellness, whatever you want to use to define it. Uh, so if you're saying weightlifting or walking for fat loss, I say both. I don't know why it has to be an either or. Um, if you are like, well, should I lift today or should I walk today? Um, I would make sure that you're getting in your walks every day. And then I would plan your strength training at least two to three days a week. And, and that will be just fine. But when it comes to the actual scale, nutrition will always reign supreme. Next question is, what is the best plan for someone going through menopause? I actually did a whole episode on menopause. Um, and, and again, the best plan for someone going through menopause, it depends because everyone's going to be different. Uh, what I will say about menopause, the best plan is the one that helps to mitigate stress and supports hormone health 
more than anything else. Now there's, there's no cookie cutter way of accomplishing that because everybody's different. So what we want to do is we want to find food choices that's, that make you feel your best. We want to find ways of managing stress that you feel like you can do. Like if I just tell everybody to go meditate, that's not really super helpful because some people just aren't going to do it. And even though it might be helpful, if, you, if you're not doing it, then it's not helpful, right? So ultimately, we want to find ways to, you don't want to be in too severe of a calorie deficit because we have to pay attention to stress. You're more sensitive to stress during that time. So we want to pay attention to food quality, not being in too much of a deficit, trying to get quality sleep. I know that's difficult during that time, but as much as we can you know, try and prioritize a wind down routine, um, you know, walking more, being in, intelligent about not overtraining, not doing it too much, not, not doing too much in the gym, making sure that we're prioritizing recovery. You know, then there's certain supplements that can help, but again, it depends on the person. So it doesn't do me any good to start throwing out random supplements if it's not going to help you. Uh, so it's re- like I know we always want like the answer because the truth is sometimes hard to hear. When I say it depends on you and we want to find the best plan for each individual, you're like, well, crap, just tell me what to eat. That's not helpful. Anybody who answers that and they're like, well, everybody in menopause should go low carb. They are doing you a disservice. Or if they're like, yeah, just eat these foods and you'll be good. Like they're doing you a disservice. You have to learn for yourself what makes you feel your best, what your body responds to. Yes, it takes a little bit more time and work and commitment, but I promise you it's worth it in the end when you have those answers and you know and you don't have to play the guessing game. And I, and I will say it again because I truly believe the most effective way, cost-effective, time-effective way to do this is to work with a quality coach. That is hands down the best investment you can make to save yourself time and money and energy in the long run. Because clearly, if you have those questions still, you're not getting to where you want to be. So rather than continuing to bang your head against the wall, why not just get the help, get to where you want to be, and then you have that for life. That's the beautiful part about coaching is when you get there, you stay there. And that's what we're after. Next question. You're always using 1,200 slash 1,400 calories as an example, as a too low example, sorry, but I'm five feet tall and little. Um, I don't actually see a question in there. I think that was just more a statement. (laughs) Yes, I use 1,200 to 1,400 calories as a too low example because for most people, it is too little. It is too low for most people. I feel like I, I am pretty adamant about the fact that I don't like to make blanket statements and that there's always exceptions to everything and that there's always an it depends answer. And yet people still want to point out like, well, I'm this, I'm, I'm lefty. And I, and you know, I'm, (laughs) I have six kids and two dogs. So I don't know if this applies to me. Like, of course there are situations where if somebody is petite, then your calorie requirements are going to be lower. But I'm comfortable saying that for most people, 1,200 to 1,400 calories is way too low. And by the way, five feet tall, we have some clients who are five feet tall or smaller who are eating close to 2,000 calories a day. 
Um, sometimes more. Sometimes we have refeed days for those individuals that are close to 3,000 calories and they are still getting leaner because they are individuals. And so what works for an individual, it might not be the same for you. But I can confidently say from experience that 1,200 to 1,400 calories is too low for the vast majority of people. And even if you're five feet tall, I would still venture a guess that your maintenance is much higher than 12 to 1400 calories. Next question. Oh, this was a follow-up to that question. I'm sorry. I didn't see the follow-up. And you, and the question was, is that too low for regular sized humans? (laughs) You are a regular sized human. And yes, it's probably still too low for you. Even if you're five feet tall. Next question. How mindset translates to better relationships slash work outside of workouts to convince the non, it looks like it got cut off because I don't see the rest of the question. So I apologize because I'm not actually sure what you're talking about here. Um, How mindset translates to better relationships slash work outside of workouts. um, And then it kind of gets cut off. So, I mean, I'll just say (laughs) mindset translates to better everything. Like having a growth mindset has been shown to improve overall quality of life, well-being, relationships, work, productivity. So yes, better mindset translates to every other area of your life. Um, I apologize. I'm not sure what the actual question was because it got cut off. Um, That's as much as I can read. So that's my answer. Better mindset, better life in general. Next question. How do I stop spinning in circles? So I don't know what you're doing that's causing you to spin in circles, but I would say hire a coach. And I know you're probably going to roll your eyes and maybe think of all the excuses as to why you can't. And I'll say that all of those excuses that are coming up in your mind are probably the reason that you're spinning in circles in the first place. I don't like to, to bullshit or beat around the bush. If you are struggling on your own, isn't it logical to assume that getting a getting expert guidance and accountability and support would be the answer. Isn't that reasonable to assume? If you're spinning your wheels and things are not working, you have two choices. You can go a different direction. You can ask for help. You can hire a coach or you can keep doing what you're doing and continue to spin your wheels. There's always a choice to make. The easiest way to get unstuck is to do something different. So keep that in mind because I don't know what your exact situation is. All I know is that you're asking how to stop spinning your wheels. And my answer is stop doing what you're doing because what you're doing is causing you to spin your wheels. So whatever it is that you're currently doing, stop doing that shit and do something else. My advice would be to hire a coach. That is the most effective way to get to where you want to be. Next question. Why do all coaches push so much protein? Um, So there's a couple things to unpack here. Number one is what is your definition of so much protein? Um, Because it's all relative, right? We're all biased, right? So I see things different than you might see things. Like if somebody told me to eat 200 grams of protein, I wouldn't say that's so much protein. I would say that's a reasonable amount of protein for me. If somebody told me to eat 300 grams of protein, now I would say that's so much protein. I can maybe eat 250 and be totally fine, 
but 300, that's so much protein. So uh, it's all relative. So I'm not sure your definition of so much protein. However, coaches push protein because of how beneficial it is to body composition, to muscle mass, uh, to digestion, to um, your, your fingers, your nails, your cells, uh, there are your hair. Protein has a lot of different um, advantages, benefits in the body. If we're on a path for better health and you want to look better, then protein plays a role in that. Uh, it helps with satiety. It helps you know to keep you full longer. There are a lot of benefits, hormonal health, um, there are certain neurotransmitters that require enough protein to uh, be properly produced. A lot of things that we can, can that we can get from protein. So that's the reason why coaches push protein. Next question: How does a person balance healthy foods that cause bloating, gas, digestion issues? Um, I would say don't eat them. Just because a food is quote unquote healthy, if it's giving you if it's causing you bloat and, and digestive it, digestive issues, then I would consider not eating that food. Um, like, like I think even just the perspective of like, well, it's a healthy food, so I have to eat it. Um, that's really not a, that's really not the relationship with food that we want. I view like healthy as again, it's relative. So if, for you, it causes issues, then that's not, a, that's not the right food for you. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of people ask, like, what are the exact foods that I should be eating? Or what do you eat? Or what is, you know, like, what do you recommend for my breakfast? What should I eat for lunch? Like, the exact foods that I tell you are going to be foods that I consume that help me. But that means that you're just trying to follow exactly what somebody else is doing. And those foods could be terrible for you. You might not like them, first of all, and they might not sit well with you, second of all. So the key to all of this is learning for yourself, is understanding some of these concepts and then finding the foods that make you feel your best. If broccoli, which is, in my opinion, a superfood, I love broccoli, but if it's causing you digestive issues and bloating and gas, you probably shouldn't be eating it. There are plenty of other quality veggies out there other than broccoli. You've, you always, always, always have choices. So if something is not sitting well with you, consider removing it. And then you might find that after you remove some of those foods that aren't sitting well, and then when you try to reintroduce them, you're, you're okay because you've actually listened to your body and now it's, uh, it's in a better state to be able to absorb those better. Oh, look at that. We are flying through these questions. Very, I told you, I'm just going to come right at it. This is the last question. Um, in a deficit, how far over your calories daily is detrimental to fat loss? Um, so this is a good question because I think we get way too focused on the day-to-day -day. Um, and nothing happens in a day. If you're in a deficit, my definition of a deficit is in a deficit average over time. So let's say that you're in a deficit six days a week, but on that seventh day, you eat so much that it takes you out of that weekly deficit. Well, that's not a deficit to me. That means that you did some things, you know, you probably too extreme, but let's just say for the sake of argument that uh, you were like really consistent for those six days, that it wasn't too extreme, but that you just overdid it on the seventh day, you pulled yourself out of that deficit. 
that's not a deficit. And that means that detrimental to fat loss is the fact that you erased your deficit, right? So we always try to focus on the day-to-day stuff. The day-to-day stuff is, is not really, when it comes to like hitting your macros and calories perfectly on a day-to-day basis, that is not what creates progress. What creates progress is averages over time, consistency over time. That means that you can go over on a day or two or three or four, depending on what the overall averages come out to be. Um, so it always depends. It always depends on like, you know, how far over. Well, if you're trying to hit a, let's just say a 2000 calorie deficit per week, like per week, your overall deficit is 2000 calories. Well, now you've got some room to work with because if you go 500 over and then another 500 over, you'll still hit that thousand calorie deficit, which is totally fine. But if you go 500 over and a thousand over and a thousand over, well, now you're in a surplus, right? And, and that average comes out to 500 calories over, you know, whatever your, your anticipated deficit would be. So again, it always has to do with averages over time. The day-to-day stuff is not important. If you're still hitting, and this is why sometimes it helps to actually build some of that stuff into the process. Like I, I talk about it where uh, weekends for me, I like to build in more flexibility. If I'm trying to lose body fat and I know I need to be in a deficit, I'm still going to give myself more calories on the weekends because that's when I like to have more calories. So I'm still going to eat more on those days, but I'm going to still be in my weekly deficit, if that makes sense. So rather than getting so focused on the day-to-day, like, well, I went over 200 calories. Is that okay? It's okay. You should be building that into your plan and adjusting based off of your schedule and the way that you like to eat. And then if you have one day where it's like, oh shit, I, I just happened to go 500 calories over on a day that I didn't plan to go 500 calories over, it's fine. Just continue on, move forward. You have to zoom out, expand your time horizon, zoom out, keep things in perspective. Like one day of 500 calories over is not going to make a difference. Think about the averages and and consistency over a long period of time and not one single day. Even, you know, even one day where you just like completely go ham, like you ate 3,000 calories over your numbers, there's really not going to be. It's like the 3,000 calories over is not the issue. It's what you do after that that's often the issue. It's often the next decision where you feel bad about yourself. You feel like you ruined everything. So you try to either overcompensate or you just say, fuck it all. That's the issue. It's not the 3,000 calories over. It's not that. It's what you do afterwards because I've done this plenty of times, even recently, where I just eat and eat and eat. And then the next day, it's just cool. Moving on. I've been there before. It's not a big deal. Moving on. And I still make progress because I don't over-rotate on that one day. I don't let it get me down. I don't let it impact me because I've been down this road. This is not my first rodeo. I know what happens. I know what happens if I try to overcompensate. I know what happens if I say, fuck it all. So I don't do that anymore. I've had to foster that mindset over a long period of time. But the more that you work on it, the more reps you put in, the more that you just tell yourself like, okay, this happened. The next decision is really what matters. And you just move on and turn the page quickly. You will be totally 
fine. Thank you guys for all of the amazing questions. Hopefully this was helpful. Uh, make sure you follow me on Instagram so you can throw your questions into the question box, which happens whenever I decide it happens. So you just have to follow me and watch my stories and uh, see when the Q&A question box pops up so you can get your question answered on the show. But hopefully this was helpful, guys, and I will talk to you all very soon.